0: Dear friends, welcome to Keep the Faith Ministry once again. Thank you for joining me today. We are going to explore a very important subject today that involves the coming Sunday laws. We have no time to lose. The Christian nationalist movement is gaining traction. We must be ready to deal with it. Let us begin with prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we are living at the very end of time. The events are rapidly taking place that will lead us to the final movements. I pray that you will join us today as we open the Word and study the Bible for its important principles of present truth. We need your Holy Spirit to understand. And please help us to awaken your church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation 13, to a verse we've read many times, and we'll read verses 11 through 15. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth to and them which dwell therein, to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth, in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do, in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth, That they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Friends, this beast represents the United States of America. America plays a vital role in prophecy because of these verses. These verses tell us that America started out one way, like a lamb, and ended up like a dragon, persecuting people. This is a major change and must not be ignored by God's people. And this must not be downplayed as some are doing. In fact, today, pastors are either ignoring this statement and not preaching on it at all, and they tell us in so many words that it's not relevant and downplay its importance. But the signs all around us show us that these scriptures are being fulfilled, In recent years, America has spiritually fornicated with the papacy, and there are continual connections between the United States and Rome, which keep the faith as documented over the years again and again. Apostate Protestantism has been also very active with Rome and has been developing ties that compromise the Protestant message. Through the ecumenical movement, Protestants have philandered and played with Rome until they have healed the wounds that have existed between them, and now they deny their heritage and have virtually eliminated their objections to Rome. And it's meddling in the government of the United States of America. Really, that's the purpose of the ecumenical movement as well as heal the wounds. Now the time is ripe for the second beast of Revelation 13.15 to exercise her power and become a dragon. She has been developing this power for a long time. The pandemic is only the recent and latest manifestation of the power that the United States manifests over its people. While other countries also experienced dictatorial control by their leaders, the most amazing and shocking manifestation was the control exercised in America over its citizens during the pandemic. And it was all done by instilling insta- fear in their minds. There are still Americans that live in fear, even though the pandemic has been supposedly less virulent and deadly Yet some people still wear masks, even outdoors, when nobody else is within six feet. (laughs) The vaccines are ineffective at best, and dangerous and even deadly at worst. And the mandates have been divisive. The pandemic also created economic pressure on people that created much unrest, it disturbed their emotional equilibrium and caused chaos in society and in the supply chain, And it gave the global elites, the World Economic Forum, and governments around the globe an excuse to impose the worst economic conditions that we have ever seen since the Great Depression of 1929. Now the government is controlled by leftists who are imposing very secular policies and regulations and they are turning America into a modern Sodom. People are becoming frustrated and intolerant of each other. They are also moving to extremes in terms of their attitudes and beliefs. Crime in the big cities has shot through the roof. People aren't safe anymore on subways and public transport in the big cities. They don't feel safe even in their own homes. The looming food shortages has them all of a sudden somehow planning to mitigate the crisis for their own families and for themselves. Instead of growing gardens, they only try to stock up on things that they regularly eat to stave off famine for a little while. But that will only last for so long. The big cities are death traps, similar to the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. Thousands of people starved to death. They were even murdering and cannibalizing weaker citizens. Of course, the followers of Jesus were not subject to the pain of starvation and famine because they had left the city as Jesus told them to do. They had escaped the destruction coming upon the city by God's word. In the tiny window of time, before warring factions in Jerusalem blocked off the exits so that no one could escape, And well before the Roman armies surrounded the city by Titus in AD 70 and besieged it, they were safely outside in another region. Today the principle is just the same. Obey God's word and you will escape what is coming upon the wicked. Notice this statement from the Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, page 446. Though the people of God endure privation and suffer for want of food, they are not left to perish. While God's judgments are visited upon the earth and the wicked are dying from hunger and thirst, angels provide the righteous with food and water. We are facing some extreme situations based on the Bible's testimony. And while they are while they weren't so obvious in the past, we can now see them plainly. As we get nearer this time, the nations are becoming more stressed. They are beating the drums of war. But more deeply, they are coming together to form an alliance against God and against His truth. The G7 is forming a climate club of nations that will benefit those nations who are members and penalize those that are not, thus pressuring them or coercing them to join. This will accelerate the creation of the one world government that the Bible predicted. Consequently, we are losing liberty, right, left, and center. Friends, we are very close to the end of time. I hope and pray that you are making spiritual preparation for the crisis that lies ahead. All the elements are in place except massive disasters. Rest assured, these judgments are coming. They will trigger pleas for a Sunday law to take back America for God. Also, when the beast becomes dragon-like, The United States must be ruled by people that see the solution to the problems as religious. Right now, it's ruled by people that create the problems and don't see a religious or moral obligation. But in the end, both sides, both left and right, conservative and liberal, will join together like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Christ's day to severely persecute the remnant, who keep all the commands of God and the faith of Jesus. And the remnant will be seen as standing in the way of the common good. It will seem like the common good looks religious and is rather pious. It will look like the real solution. It will even look like the right thing to do but it will be in in opposition to God and His holy law. And this is no good for the nation or the people. Revelation 14.12 suggests that the remnant will have to be really patient as their rights and liberties are removed and the Ten Commandments become the focus of their lives. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This verse will become more meaningful and more relevant than ever. As the saints are pressured more and more by professedly good Christian people to comply with the laws of the land, particularly the new imposed religious laws, They will be at the center of the controversy over the Sabbath, which is the focus of the nation. And the nation will be under pressure by conflict and chaos to right itself. There is now a movement afoot that is known as Christian nationalism. They believe that America should be ruled by Christians and that it should be influenced by the Bible. A recent headline read, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene says the GOP should be Christian Nationalists Party. Listen to what the article said. The Republican Party's primary focus this year should be on making the political party one of Christian nationalism. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said Saturday, We need to be the party of nationalism. I am a Christian, and I say it proudly. We should be Christian nationalists. She said in an interview with the conservative Next News Network while attending the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, in Florida. When the Republicans learn to represent most of the people that vote for them, then we will be the party that continues to grow without having to chase down certain identities or chase down certain segments of people. We just need to represent Americans, and most Americans, no matter how they vote, really care about the same things, and I want to see the Republicans actually do their job. Christian nationalists want to take back um, the United States for God. In their book, Taking America Back for God, Christian Nationalism in the United States, Andrew Whitehead and Samuel Perry Summarize Christian nationalism by listing the following five points. Number one, the success of the United States is part of God's plan. Number two, the federal government should declare the United States a Christian nation. Number three, the federal government should advocate Christian values. Number four, The federal government should not enforce the strict separation of church and state. Number five, the federal government should allow religious symbols in public spaces. And number six, the federal government should allow prayer in public schools. Christian nationalism is the reaction to extremism on the left. The leftists have pushed their agenda so hard that a reaction is developing. The pendulum will swing back, but it won't come back to center. It will inevitably overswing to the right side of the political spectrum, and the nation will be plunged into the end time scenario and the push for the Sunday law. Christian nationalism arose in the 1950s, actually, and has been kept alive by the Dominionist movement that began in the 1970s. Dominion theology teaches that Christians are ordained of God to rule the nations that have a Christian foundation, such as the British Commonwealth nations and the United States, based on their understanding or interpretation of biblical law. The Christian right is often labeled as dominionist. And while these groups are often disparate, there are differences of opinion among them. In the end, they will coalesce into a political movement that opposes God's law. That's the bottom line. Listen to this from Great Controversy, page 443. In order for the United States to form an image of the beast, the religious power must so control the civil government that the authority of the state will also be employed by the church to accomplish her her ends. So while the religious power does not control the United States, it cannot form the image of the beast. Leftists and secularists are in control at the moment and they are offending the sensitivities of the rest of the people. But people are getting so upset with the leftists and their agendas that they will strongly move the nation toward Christian nationalism. And when the conservatives regain the power... They will insist that the nation become righteous. And they will use the Bible to promote their agenda. For example, the Bible says in Proverbs 14.34 that righteousness exalted the nation. They will justify religious laws to promote righteousness on the basis of their interpretation of Scripture. Never mind that the Bible clearly points out that heaven is not made of involuntary adherence, but it is made of people who have exercised their individual choice and freedom of conscience. By the way, the leftists are running scared. Not only are they demonizing conservative Christians and other conservatives, they are determined to keep the left in power. They're up against the Supreme Court that has mostly Catholic and right wing in its makeup. The Supreme Court recently overturned Roe versus Wade, the abortion ruling dating back to the 70s. This pushed the left further to the extreme. This in turn pushes the right side of politics. Further to the opposite extreme, until the nation descends into violence and chaos. Christian nationalists want to place themselves where they can rule America from a Christian point of view. They despise the wall of separation of church and state that is inherently written in the Constitution, claiming that it doesn't exist. Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders of America and one of the framers of the Constitution, made the following statement in his well-known letter to the Danbury Baptists. He makes it very clear why the wall of separation between church and state is very important to the liberties and freedoms of everyone. He said, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or worship, that the legitimate powers of the government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. So, Thomas Jefferson understood that freedom and civil rights, including religious freedom, must be preserved by preventing the churches and religious institutions Uh, or movements from controlling the government and using the sword of the government to enforce their opinions on others. He also wrote, But our rulers can have authority over such natural rights only as we have submitted to them. The rights of conscience we never submitted. We could not submit. We are answerable to them, to our God. The legitimate powers of government extend to such acts only as are injurious to others, but it does me no injury for my neighbor to say that there are twenty gods or no god. It neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. Reason and free inquiry are the only effectual agents against error. While the Founders did not use the exact words to create the wall of separation, they put principles in the Constitution that effectively did the same thing, and that has served America for nearly 250 years. But the enemy of mankind wants to remove freedom. Remember, this is his fundamental purpose toward nations and empires because unless freedom is removed, he cannot control and oppress. In recent years, he has worked to create so much division between the political left and the political right that they are now so far apart that they can't even understand each other. They don't even hear each other. They talk over each other's heads, and God's church is caught up in it too. In effect, The nation has been and is being pushed toward more and more secular views and values and is leaving the foundations which made it great and powerful. Now, when the conservative wing of the political right gets control again, they will try to keep themselves in power too. They are closely aligned with conservative Christians, who are sick and tired of the liberal bent to America. They will try to influence the state with their values and will ultimately control them. They will insist that America needs to be brought back to God, and they will press the government to enact a Sunday law. They will do this thinking this is the right thing to do. They will assume that because the majority of people attend church on Sunday and keep Sunday for their families and recreation, the rest and rest from work, that all should comply with this law. But they will soon find out that there are those who keep another day that keep the Bible Sabbath. And Sabbath keepers will have arguments that can't be refuted. So they will enact stricter laws and regulations targeted at Sabbath keepers. The tools have already been developed for this isolation and targeting. They were used during the pandemic to isolate and restrict unvaccinated people. When these measures are less effective, Satan will give them some help. He will resort to extreme disasters and spread destruction everywhere. Listen to this short but revealing statement from Great Controversy, page 614. There are forces now ready and only waiting the divine permission to spread desolation everywhere. At the same time, the angels in heaven remove their restraining power because the world has chosen to reject God even in the name of remembering Him. Here is another statement from the same page in Great Controversy. As the angels of God cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion, all the elements of strife will be let loose. The whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem of old. Think about that. Did you hear that? The ruin will be more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem when it was destroyed by Titus, and this is over the whole world. Nations everywhere will suffer under the pressure of disasters, war, chaos, and famine. So let us consider a statement found in Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 451. By the decree of enforcing the institution of the papacy in violation of the law of God, our nation will disconnect herself fully from righteousness. When Protestantism shall stretch her hand across the gulf to grasp the hand of the Roman power, when she shall reach over the abyss to clasp hands with spiritualism, When, under the influence of this threefold union, our country shall repudiate every principle of its constitution as a Protestant and Republican government, and shall make provision for the propagation of papal falsehoods and delusions, then we may know that the time has come for the marvelous working of Satan and that the end is near. What good should God's people do? Should they argue over politics? Should they campaign to make loud noises and hold picket signs in the streets? Listen to this statement from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 464 and 465. The time is not far distant when, like the early disciples, we shall be forced to seek a refuge in desolate and solitary places. As the siege of Jerusalem by the Roman armies was the signal for flight to the Judean Christians, so the assumption of power on the part of our nation in the decree enforcing the papal Sabbath will be a warning to us. It will then be time to leave the large cities preparatory to leaving the smaller ones for retired homes in secluded places among the mountains. Lest we think that the large cities are the place to make our homes until the Sunday Law crisis comes, the following statement clarifies. It is from Country Living, page 29. As far as possible, our institution should be located away from the cities. We must have workers for these institutions, and if they are located in the city, that means that families of our people must settle near them. But it is not God's will that His people shall settle in the cities, where there is constant turmoil and confusion. Their children should be spared this, for the whole system is demoralized by the hurry and rush and noise. And the Lord desires his people to move into the country, where they can settle on the land and raise their own fruit and vegetables, and where their children can be brought in direct contact with the works of God in nature. Take your families away from the cities, is my message. So we should work with the cities from outside of them, but have our homes in the country. We should be quietly finding our way to remote places that are secluded in the mountains. We should be doing what Scripture says in Isaiah 26.20. Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. From Country Living, page 20, we read the following statement. The Sunday party is strengthening itself in its false claims, and this will mean oppression to those who determine to keep the Sabbath of the Lord. We are to place ourselves where we can carry out the Sabbath commandment in its fullness. Six days shalt thou labor, the Lord declares, and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. And we are to be careful not to place ourselves where it will be hard for ourselves and our children to keep the Sabbath. The Christian nationalist movement is a modern Sunday party. Once in power, they will seek to establish Sunday as a national day of rest and worship. They will use spurious arguments to build their case. But God does not change, nor do his laws. The Bible is plain. The Sabbath is on the seventh day. It is not on the first day or any other day. The Sabbath was changed by the most corrupt, abusive, and wicked organization in the world, and the true Sabbath continues to be maligned, and multitudes of excuses are given for why we shouldn't keep it. The Christian nationalists are just waiting for the opportunity to publicly make their case. They will argue that we need Sunday laws to stem the moral corruption that has taken over society and that the majority of secular people who are largely responsible for promoting wickedness don't attend church and have rejected God. Enforcing Sunday worship will be seen as the way to accomplish their conversion. Listen to this statement from Great Controversy, page 587. Yet this very class put forth the claim that the fast-spreading corruption is largely attributable to the desecration of the so-called Christian Sabbath and that the enforcement of Sunday observance would greatly improve the morals of society. This claim is especially urged in America, where the doctrine of the true Sabbath has been most widely preached. Here the temperance work. One of the most prominent and important of moral reforms is often combined with the Sunday movement, and the advocates of the latter represent themselves as laboring to promote the highest interest of society. And those who refuse to unite with them are denounced as enemies of temperance and reform. But the fact that a movement to establish error is connected with a work which is in itself good is not an argument in favor of the error. We may disguise poison by mingling it with wholesome food, but we do not change its nature. On the contrary, it is rendered more dangerous, and it is more likely to be taken unawares. It is one of Satan's devices to combine falsehood with just enough truth to give it plausibility. The leaders of the Sunday movement may advocate reforms which the people need, principles which are in harmony with the Bible. Yet while there is with these a requirement which is contrary to God's law, his servants cannot unite with them. Nothing can justify them in setting aside the commandments of God for the precepts of men. Back when this was written, the moral issue attached to a Sunday movement was temperance reform. Today it will be the same principle. The Sunday movement today will be attached to some moral movement, like abortion, for example. It really doesn't matter what good issue is allied with the Sunday movement. It doesn't make the morality movement invalid. It only disguises the Sunday movement. And people will fall for it because they don't know their Bibles. But more importantly, they don't believe the importance of following all God's commandments. They would rather follow a lie than sacrifice their lifestyle. If you are faithful to God, you will have to stand against the Christian Nationalist Movement and the forceful government mandates that it will achieve. Are you ready for that? Marjorie Taylor Greene is a congresswoman that is a self-professed Christian Nationalist. Listen to what she said about the Christian Nationalist Movement. Green said at the student conference that Christian nationalism is nothing to be scared of because it will be the movement that stops school shootings. This will be the movement that stops the crime in our streets. This will be the movement that stops sexual immorality. All of that sounds good. And, of course, we... All want to see these evils stop. That's why she said what she said. The nation has been taken off course by forces that bring darkness and evil. But how do Christian nationalists plan to implement those plans to correct this problem? More importantly, what else do they have in mind? These talking points are but the tip of the iceberg of Christian nationalism. Lauren Boebert, a newly elected member of Congress, is also a Christian nationalist. She made this statement just two days before her primary election in June. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk. She goes on to say that separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. Let's keep in mind that this is a woman who was recently elected to the Congress of the United States. Do you think Christian nationalists are gaining traction in America when a candidate gets elected who embraces it? The pendulum is swinging back from liberals and leftists to the right-wing conservatives. Bobart is accurate that the words separation of church and state do not appear in the Constitution, but her statement glosses over what the Constitution does say about religion. The relevant part of the First Amendment reads, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. This is known as the Establishment Clause. It is included in the Constitution's First Amendment because originally European settlers came from a number of religious backgrounds and the Constitution's framers wanted to ensure that the country had no nationally established church like the Church of Rome or the Church of England. Rome severely persecuted those who did not agree with her doctrines, and the Church of England persecuted too, though less severely. But it still persecuted dissenters. The settlers were hungry for a land where they could be free to choose what to believe and where their opinions were as sacred as their honor. These are by no means the only examples of Christian nationalism that is attempting to take power. All across the country, there are those running for office who espouse the idea that America is a Christian nation and should be run on Christian principles. Public opinion polls show that support for Christian nationalism is growing. Other countries have their Christian nationalists as well. Friends, that does not bode well for freedom of religion. Eventually, Christian nationalists will promote Sunday observance and will make laws to enforce it. And now that America has been pushed hard to the political left, the pendulum is about to swing to the far right. Listen to this statement from Great Controversy, page 592. The dignitaries of church and state will unite to bribe, persuade, or compel all classes to honor the Sunday. Lack of divine authority will be supplied by oppressive enactments. Political corruption is destroying the love of justice and regard for truth. And even in free America, rulers and legislators, in order to secure public favor— will yield to the popular demand for a law enforcing Sunday observance. Liberty of conscience, which has cost so great a sacrifice, will no longer be respected. In the soon coming conflict we shall see exemplified the prophet's words, The dragon was wroth." With a woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ, Revelation twelve seventeen. That is ultimately what these lawmakers, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, are trying to do. They might not even think about where their movement is headed. But once they are in power, they will certainly become aggressive regarding what they see as God's principles. America is split on whether the Christian Bible should influence the U.S. lawmaking, according to a Pew survey. About half of adults say the Bible should influence laws a great deal, 23%, or some, 26% while the other half of the say the Bible shouldn't influence U.S. laws much, 19%, or at all, 31%. Republicans are more likely to believe the Bible should influence laws by a two-to-one margin. Does history give us any lessons we can learn or an indication of how this will play out and how to navigate it? It turns out that in the 19th century, there was a similar movement in the United States which involved nationalism. In the late 19th century, there was the National Reform Movement. Listen to the following statement from Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 712 and 713. The national reform movement, exercising the power of religious legislation, will, when fully developed, manifest the same intolerance and oppression that have prevailed in past ages. Human councils then assume the prerogatives of deity, crushing under their despotic power liberty of conscience and imprisonment, exile, and death followed for those who opposed their dictates. If popery or its principles shall again be legislated into power, the fires of persecution will be rekindled against those who will not sacrifice conscience and the truth in deference to popular errors. This evil is on the point of realization. Those who seek to compel men to observe an institution of the papacy and trample upon God's authority are doing a work similar to that of the Jewish leaders in the days of the apostles. When the laws of earthly rulers are brought into opposition to the laws of the supreme ruler of the universe, then those who are God's loyal subjects will be, true to him what should we do when we see these movements coming here it is from testimonies to the church volume 5 page 715 the people need to be aroused in regard to the dangers of the present time the watchmen are asleep we are years behind let the chief watchmen feel the urgent necessity of taking heed to themselves, lest they lose the opportunities given to them to see the dangers. If the leading men in our conferences do not now accept the message sent them by God and fall into line for action, the churches will suffer great loss. When the watchmen seeing the sword coming, Gives the trumpet a certain sound, the people along the line will echo the warning, and all will have opportunity to make ready for the conflict. But too often the leader has stood hesitating, seeming to say, Let us not be too, in too great haste. There may be a mistake. We must be careful not to raise a false alarm. The very hesitancy and uncertainty on his part is crying Peace and safety. Do not get excited. Be not alarmed. There is a great deal more made of this religious amendment question than is demanded. The agitation will die down. Thus he virtually denies the message sent from God, and the warning which was designed to stir the churches fails to do its work. The trumpet of the watchman gives no certain sound, the people do not prepare for the battle. Let the watchman be, beware, lest through his hesitancy and delay, souls shall be left to perish, and their blood will be required at his hand. Why are our leaders now silent? When the National Reform Movement becomes stronger, God's people are advised to preach the message with stronger power. Don't hold back. Be wide awake. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 716. While the Protestant world is, by her attitude, making concessions to Rome, let us arouse to to comprehend the situation and view the contest before us in its true bearings. Let the watchmen now lift up their voice and give the message which is present truth for this time. Let us show the people where we are in prophetic history and seek to arouse the spirit of true Protestantism, awaking the world to a sense of the value of the privileges of religious liberty so long enjoyed. Is the acumenical movement very prominent today? Should not the pastors and preachers be raising the alarm and letting the three angels' messages go out with power? Should not God's people be wide awake and involved in doing what they can to stay the tide of evil and oppression? Oh, friends, We are at a very important time in history, and our church is asleep. It is pivotal, and our liberties will be taken away. It is now time to watch and work as never before. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, this is a sobering time to be alive. We pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to imbue us with power but we know that before you can do that we have to live our lives in harmony with god's word so please convert us and make us earnest and persevering in our walk with god help us to understand the movements that are taking place around us and please make us ready for the overwhelming crisis That is coming. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been greatly blessed by this month's message. Your prayers and gifts mean much to us. Thank you for your support. The song you have just heard is called Wash Me Now, sung by Jennifer Buttery. It is recorded on a CD with other beautiful hymns called Seekers of Your Heart. If you would like a copy of the CD, just send $16 postpaid and we will gladly send you one. International listeners should send $20 USD. Be sure and mention the Seekers of Your Heart CD. The following is our prophetic intelligence briefing, a feature that brings you current events in light of prophecy, especially for those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We can see the signs of the times telling us that we are nearing the world's great crisis and the coming of the Lord and may the Lord find us faithful. Our first item this
1: month. Polio virus detected in New York City sewage water, health officials say. The polio virus has been detected in the sewage water from New York City, health officials announced on Friday. The virus has started to spread locally in the city, the New York Times reported. Health authorities say polio detected in New York City sewage can be alarming. New York State Health Commissioner, Dr. Mary Bassett, called the recent reports alarming. The commissioner informed that federal and local authorities are determinedly assessing the extent of the virus's spread in New York. Quote, For every one case of paralytic polio identified, hundreds more may be undetected. Bassett said, the best way to keep adults and children polio-free is through safe and effective immunization. Polio can end up in long-term paralysis of the arms and legs and can be fatal. Therefore, health officials are advocating polio shots for those unvaccinated. The authorities also stated that regular vaccination appointments among children have lessened since the pandemic in New York. They believe it may be the reason for a surge in the risk of outbreaks. Over 14% of children living in NYC, aged between 6 months to 5 years, have not completed their vaccination course against polio. Health authorities said these children are under risk as they are not fully protected against the virus. Most adults were vaccinated against the virus in childhood. At least 80% of people have been vaccinated across New York State. The spread of polio is a potential risk to unvaccinated people, although the polio vaccine is not 100% effective in fully immunized people. Recent case of polio and further risk. Friday's announcement came after a man was stricken with polio that left him with paralysis. He lived north of New York City in Rockland County. Health officials said they detected the virus in the wastewater in Rockland County and neighboring Orange County, according to the CNBC. According to the health department, polio detected in New York City sewage could lead to other cases of paralytic polio. This is the first time polio has been detected in NYC. Before the recent outbreak, the last case of the virus was detected in 2013 in the United States. The New York Times reported We are amid the perils of the last days, and trying times are before us. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, that those things that cannot be shaken may remain. Drought, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, casualties by sea and land will multiply. Life will be unsafe anywhere, only as the life is hid with Christ in God now while the angels are holding the four winds is our opportunity to seek the lord most earnestly manuscript releases volume 20 page 285 next public u.s employees in tijuana warned to shelter in place as chaos violence erupt the u.s consulate in tijuana warned the public and government employees to avoid the area and seek shelter as violence and unrest erupted. The U.S. consulate tweeted that vehicles are being set ablaze, roadblocks are being set up, and there is heavy police activity occurring in Tijuana, Mexicali, Rosarito, Ensenada, and Tecate. At this time, all U.S. government employees have been instructed to shelter in place. The violence began on Thursday in a Ciudad Juarez prison when the Sinaloa Cartel, formerly led by infamous Joaquin El Chapo Guzman and Los Mejicles, began feuding, leading to a riot that left two dead and sixteen injured, according to the Times of San Diego. The violence then spread out of the prison and into the city streets of Juarez, where gang members killed an additional nine people, most of them civilians. Deputy Secretary Minister Ricardo Mejia said in a press conference that in the early hours of Friday morning, six alleged members of Mejiklis were arrested by police with assistance from the Army and National Guard. This has allegedly fueled the violence and terror that has now moved into Baja, causing the shelter in place. Quote, I condemn the violent events that occurred this afternoon in our state. The governor of Baja Marina del Pilar wrote in a tweet as violence broke out across her state. It is important to remain calm. We will keep you informed. The mayor of Tijuana, Monserrat Caballero, urged those committing violence to leave innocent pedestrians alone. San Diego County Vice Chair Nora Vargas tweeted out, quote, I encourage our binational residents to be cautious and follow the recommendations from government officials and avoid unnecessary travel to allow authorities to do their work and maintain safety. My thoughts are with those impacted by the incidents. At this time, the U.S. consulate is still under lockdown and the streets in Tijuana are empty as people fear for their safety. Quote, In the days of Noah, violence filled the land, and thus Christ has told us that it will be in the last days. The history of the old world is to be repeated. The perversity and cruelty of men will reach such a height that God will reveal himself in his majesty. Very soon the wickedness of the world will have reached its limit. And as in the days of Noah, God will pour out his judgments. Next, Episcopal Church comes out in support of sex changes at all ages. The Episcopal Church passed a resolution in support of sex change attempts at all ages, calling it a matter of religious liberty. Resolution D-066, passed by the 80th General Convention, is titled Addressing Restrictions on Access to Gender-Affirming Care. The House of Bishops has concurred with the resolution. It calls for the Episcopal Church to advocate for access to gender-affirming care in all forms, social medical or any other and at all ages it goes on to say that advocating for sex change operations is part of our baptismal call to respect the dignity of every human being the resolution specifically affirms that all episcopalians should be able to partake in gender affirming care with no restriction on movement autonomy or timing The Episcopal Church also opposes laws that prohibit people, including children, from being medically assisted in their attempts to change their sex. What the Episcopal Church refers to as gender-affirming care includes medical interventions such as the use of puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapy, as well as surgeries that permanently damage fully functioning body parts or that seek to change one's face shape. Breitbart News has documented several instances in which directors of transgender health clinics, some of which are associated with children's hospitals, have received significant funding from the pharmaceutical companies that manufacture puberty blockers. Lupron, one of the drugs most commonly used as a puberty blocker, has been used to chemically castrate sex offenders. Meanwhile, puberty-blocking drug Superlin LA has been found to carry the risk of causing brain swelling and permanent vision loss, according to the Food and Drug Administration. The Episcopal Church's resolution was proposed by Evangeline Warren, a PhD student at Ohio State's Department of Sociology. Warren has dedicated much of her academic career to racial and sexual topics. Her master's thesis is titled, How Proximity to Whiteness Impacts the Health of Non-White People while another paper focuses on pseudo-medical crisis pregnancy centers. Quote, The uncontrolled indulgence and consequent disease and degradation that existed at Christ's first advent will again exist with intensity of evil before his second coming. Christ declares that the condition of the world will be as in the days before the flood and as in Sodom and Gomorrah. Every imagination of the thoughts of the heart will be evil continually. Upon the very verge of that fearful time we are now living, and to us should come home the lesson of the Savior's fast. Only by the inexpressible anguish which Christ endured can we estimate the evil of unrestrained indulgence. His example declares that our only hope of eternal life is through bringing the appetites and passions into subjection to the will of God. Desire of Ages 122 Next, Taiwan Cancels Leave of Some Soldiers to Immediately Prepare for War Taiwanese defense officials have canceled the leave of some soldiers and officers to immediately prepare for the chance of war in response to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Asia this week, according to local reports. China warned early Monday that its military would not sit idly by if House Speaker visits Taiwan during her trip this week, echoing similar comments from Chinese President Xi Jinping last week that the United States should not play with fire. Pelosi is expected to stop in Taiwan during her visit this week, although the island is not listed on her itinerary. Quote. Her stature as the number three U.S. official means a trip would be highly sensitive, Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman Zhao Lijian told reporters Monday. As to what measures, let's wait and see whether she insists on this visit. If Pelosi travels to Taiwan, she'll be the highest ranking U.S. official to visit the island since former House Speaker Newt Gingrich made the trip in 1997. It's not clear when Pelosi will arrive in Taiwan, but the House Speaker is expected to stay there overnight, officials told CNN. Officials had warned about the trip due to safety concerns amid high tensions with China, which claims Taiwan is part of its territory despite island leaders insisting it is self-governed. The Defense Department is working to ensure around-the-clock monitoring of Chinese movements in the region during her stay. U.S. officials told the outlet. Pelosi released an itinerary for her trip over the weekend that included stops in Singapore, Malaysia, South Korea, and Japan. Speculation quickly grew as to whether the House Speaker would visit Taiwan, prompting warnings from Chinese media figures of severe punishment. The California Democrat began her trip on Monday, landing in Singapore to begin her Asia tour. Pelosi is leading a congressional delegation on her trip made up of representatives Gregory Meeks, Democrat, New York, Chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Mark Takano, Democrat, California, Chairman of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, Susan Delbin, Democrat, Washington, Raja Krishnamurthy, Democrat, Illinois, and Andy Kim, Democrat, New Jersey. During their tour, The group will focus on strengthening economic and security partnerships overseas as well as the democratic governance in the Indo-Pacific region, according to Pelosi's press release. Quote, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Matthew 24, 7 Next, Pope apologizes for catastrophic school policy in Canada. Pope Francis issued a historic apology Monday for the Catholic Church's cooperation with Canada's catastrophic policy of indigenous residential schools saying the forced assimilation of native peoples into Christian society destroyed their cultures, severed families, and marginalized generations. Quote, I am deeply sorry, Francis said, to applause from school survivors and indigenous community members gathered at a former residential school south of Edmonton, Alberta. He called the school policy a disastrous error that was incompatible with the gospel and said further investigation and healing is needed. Quote, I humbly beg forgiveness for the evil committed by so many Christians against the indigenous peoples, Francis said. In the first event of his week-long penitential pilgrimage, Francis traveled to the lands of four Cree nations to pray at a cemetery and then deliver the long-sought apology at nearby powwow ceremonial grounds. Four chiefs escorted the pontiff in a wheelchair to the site near the former Ermineskin Indian Residential School and presented him with a feathered headdress after he spoke making him an honorary leader of the community. France's words went beyond his earlier apology for the deplorable abuses committed by missionaries and instead took institutional responsibility for the Church's cooperation with Canada's catastrophic assimilation policy, which the country's Truth and Reconciliation Commission said amounted to a cultural genocide. More than 150,000 native children in Canada were forced to attend government-funded Christian schools from the 19th century until the 1970s in an effort to isolate them from the influence of their homes and culture. The aim was to Christianize and assimilate them into mainstream society, which previous Canadian governments considered superior. Ottawa has admitted that physical and sexual abuse was rampant at the schools with students beaten for speaking their native languages. That legacy of that abuse and isolation from family has been cited by indigenous leaders as a root cause of the epidemic rates of alcohol and drug addiction now on Canadian reservations. The discoveries of hundreds of potential burial sites at former schools in the past year drew international attention to the schools in Canada and their counterparts in the United States. The revelations prompted Francis to comply with the Truth Commission's call for an apology on Canadian soil. Catholic religious orders operated 66 of the country's 139 residential schools. Quote, I've waited 50 years for this apology, and finally today I heard it. Survivor Evelyn Korkmaz said, Part of me is rejoiced, part of me is sad, part of me is numb. She added, however, that she had hoped to hear a work plan from the Pope on what he would do next to reconcile, including releasing church files on children who died at the schools. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who last year apologized for the incredibly harmful government policy, also attended, along with other officials. As part of a lawsuit settlement involving the government, churches, and approximately 90,000 survivors, Canada paid reparations that amounted to billions of dollars being transferred to indigenous communities. Canada's Catholic Church says its diocese and religious orders have provided more than $50 million in cash and in-kind contributions and hope to add $30 million more over the next five years. While the Pope acknowledged blame, he also made clear that Catholic missionaries were merely cooperating with and implementing the government policy which he termed the colonizing mentality of the powers. Notably, he didn't refer to 15th century papal decrees that provided religious backing to European colonial powers in the first place. Jeremy Burgeon, a church apology expert and professor of religious and theological studies at Conrad Greville University College in Waterloo, Ontario, said Francis made clear he was asking forgiveness for the actions of members of the church but not the institution in its entirety. Quote, The idea is that, as the body of Christ, the Church itself is sinless, he said via email. So when Catholics do bad things, they are not truly acting on behalf of the Church, Virgin added, noting it's a controversial idea on which many Catholic theologians disagree. Quote, Although Christian charity was not absent, and there were many outstanding instances of devotion and care for children, the overall effects of the policies linked to the residential schools were catastrophic, Francis said. What our Christian faith tells us is that this was a disastrous error, incompatible with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The six-day visit, which also includes stops in Quebec City and Iqaluit, Nunavut in the far north, follows meetings Francis held in the spring at the Vatican with First Nations, Metis, and Inuit delegations. Those encounters culminated with Francis' apology April 1st for deplorable abuses at residential schools and a promise to do so again on Canadian soil. Francis recalled that one of the delegations gave him a set of beaded moccasins as a symbol of children who never came back from the schools and asked him to return them in Canada. Francis said in these months they kept alive my sense of sorrow indignation and shame but that in returning them he hoped they can also represent a path to walk together quote the roman church now presents a fair front to the world covering with apologies her record of horrible cruelties she has clothed herself in christ-like garment but she is unchanged every principle of the papacy that existed in past ages exists today the doctrines devised in the darkest ages are still held let none deceive themselves the papacy that protestants are now so ready to honor is the same that ruled the world in the days of the reformation when men of god stood up at the peril of their lives to expose her iniquity she possesses the same pride and arrogant assumption that lorded it over kings and princes and claimed the prerogatives of god her spirit is no less cruel and despotic now than when she crushed out human liberty and slew the saints unfortunately of the our most time high. is up great Remember, controversy there are more Page 571. Intelligence
0: briefings on our website at ktfnews.com. it's been a great pleasure to spend this time with you I hope you have been encouraged to live for Jesus, for we are near the end. Remember that God has a plan for your life and that right now you can make a new start with Jesus. Thank you for your prayers and support. And until next time, may God bless and keep you and your family in His loving and protecting care. Keep the faith.